where you going? No, man, you got the right classroom. Come on in, take a seat beside me, my friend. Hey, look, here come T.A. Charlie. Let's see what he got to say. Morning, and you're watching The Road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic. Homeroom is on Rumble. You just go to Rumble and you search the channels for The Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, you go ahead and you click follow. <laughs> it might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast, it's easy, and it's free. I did it. You can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and sometimes on YouTube. Yeah, that ain't going to be today. <laughs> you know, just Wednesdays normally. Then you can catch the podcast after the show. It's uploaded to Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Just look for The Road to Concord. You can go to the blog page. That's theroadtoconcord.com. That's where you'll find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. Finally, you can email a professor at joe at theroadtoconcord.com. He's a little slow, but he'll eventually get around to emailing you back. Donuts around. <laughs> Phones are on today. Please call 229-469-0335. We, we need calls today, but only registered numbers. We don't want any dodo cops. Uh, if you wish to call. No donut cops either. And you're not registered, um, yeah, send us an email with your name and number. <laughs> Um, I might let you through. <laughs> Today, I might actually let you through. <laughs> if you find our classes helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Just warn them, Joe is an acquired taste. You'll find that out today. This show is listening. Donuts are easily acquired taste. Meaning we do not solicit business advertising. So you're not limited in the content we provide for y'all. With that said, we ask for your participation on a value for value basis. If you find our shows of value to you, then you provide an equal equivalent portion of your labor and treasure and donuts or yes or through through the donut 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 please buy me a donut hey you know what maybe (laughs) they won't buy me coffee but they might buy me half a dozen donuts every month on the road to concord blog page to show description on rumble and in the comments on the other streams yeah, the donut like I'm gonna have to change that. Maybe we'll do that. The donut lake. Hey, we all know T. A. Charlie isn't all there. Now, just stay seated and give it a chance. You soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently form opinions based on reason and Donuts. logic. We're free thinkers. Let's see what the road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic has on the lesson plan for today. Donuts. Donuts brought down the twin trade towers. Too many donuts. We have also established in the pre-show show, the one y'all don't get to watch, we have established that cookies are just unleavened donuts. That's why they don't have a hole in them. They're not fluffy. They're just, un, you know, anyhow. Hebrew joke. See y'all later. Hey, it's 9-11. It's Conspiracy Theory Thursday. We're going to tackle 9-11 today. So... Get ready to yell at me and call me all sorts of names. Throw your suckers in the ground and get all stuffy and stomp off on me. Because today I am on the opposite side. I am I'm anti-conspiracy theory here on 9-11, folks. Well, no, not, not exactly. I am a conspiracy theorist for 9-11. It's just not in the direction y'all are going to think. Well, you might, but only if you know me. 
I'm not one of these ones who thinks it wasn't an airplane. No airplanes hit the building and then the building was imploded and I'm new. You can't go there. I know too much about what was going on there. Did a little too much research to fall for all of that. I can't go for that. No, it's a hollow notes, right? Yeah. Anyhow, you got to go back a ways, man. If you're not understanding my pop culture references, it's because you're too young. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's just get on into this, right? Slideshow time, right? Yeah, here we go. Don't ever forget to look at all sides of an issue, no matter what it is. That's a serious comment, folks. Please do that. Make sure you always check everything out. Oh, by the way, today, if you've got barbs for the professor, make sure you throw them up on the comment section. Charlie, I'll get them up there and we'll deal with them. And no, I ain't going to yell at you and treat you like an idiot or anything like that. I'm just going to go ahead and actually seriously, politely, considerately address, you know, whatever point you bring up. So go for it. So look at all sides and seek out the information they try to leave out. Make sure you pay attention to what both hands are doing. If you do this, you might learn to see a different picture, you know, like this one. What the media shows you is the guy on the left is trying to kill the guy on the right, when in reality, it's the other way around. And I think what we have here is a case very similar to that today. So we were going to be tackling 9-11 quote-unquote conspiracies or points that people have pointed out and then blah, blah, blah. We're going to do it in no particular order. And I'm going to try to talk slower or this show will be over in 15 minutes. Coming on the board from Road Dog. Got one for you, Joe. How did the steel columns vaporize on their way down to dust? They didn't. I've got a picture of that for you. I'll show it to you. Hang in there, Road Dog. Buckle up. You might need to. Today, you're going to find out, not that Joe's a jerk and he's popping all your conspiracy theories, but that the people who have sold you the conspiracy theories didn't do their homework. Now, I get it. I understand how and why this happens, but let me walk you through this. Let's get through it today. And at the end of the day, you can go back and decide for yourself whether anything's changed. If it didn't, that's cool. We're still friends. We can still have donuts together. I won't, you know, I won't part ways over a donut with you over this, but you know, there's certain things that I just don't want to share my donuts with. So it'll all depend. First things first, I tossed this up in your show notes, and this is a good one for you. And it's a seminar on how buildings come down. And um, this is something that nobody ever seems to want to go over. I'm sharing the screen with you now so we can go through this. And it goes over all of the things, deliberate destruction of structures and materials by means of mechanical equipment or mechanical equipments and explosives. And it goes over demolition, easy for me to say, demolition of a building. Make building fall down. Yeah, make building fall down. So this is the building they're going to fall down. Steps before demolition. You have to survey it. You have to remove hazardous materials. Well, if you're going to bring down World Trade Center, they're not going to worry about the remove hazardous materials, but you do have to survey it. And you have to prepare a plan. The surveying, study of different parameters of the structure and its surroundings. You got to record drawings, the construction materials that were used in the building you're bringing down. You got to look at the adjoining properties and site conditions and available site area to demolish it. Where do you want to bring it down at? That all has to be considered. In the case of 9-11, they may not have cared. Okay, so... And we're not going to worry about removal of hazardous materials. Preparation of the plan. The location of the building to be demolished has to be considered. 
a layout plan of all the floors of the building need to be demolished. That has to be done. The structural support system of the building has to be considered. Time and frequency, as in, yeah, frequency, vibration, things like that. And how often things are going to happen. A temporary parking layout for mobile machines and trucks. What? Yeah, because you don't just run in there and wrap some debt cord around a building and bring it down like, you know, this is not Tommy Lee Jones and Volcano. It doesn't work that way. You're not going to rig a building for demolition in 30 minutes to stop the lava flow. That's Hollywood crap. And this is one of the play piece places here where we get we get fall victim of Hollywood. Uh, I'm not worried about this one. This isn't what we want. Methods of demolition. How are we going to bring it down? Well, we're going to use explosives because that's what we think we have in 9-11. Well, there's what this looks like. Uh, advantage of explosives, blah, blah, blah. Hey, look at here. This one here says uh, how building implosions work. Now, this is rather interesting, don't you think, boys and girls? Because it shows us that if I'm going to properly implode a building, I do it from the floor up. The first blast is in the center bottom. Then the second blast is going to be on the outside columns of the floor. And then the third from the top. That's how I properly bring down a building through a designed implosion. Well, Joe, maybe they didn't care about that. They just blew up the building. Maybe. Maybe. But if all the all the supposed theories out there that this was designed, this is what's required to do that. This is not what happened. Also, something else that most people don't know about. The placing of the explosives. You can't just have it in one spot. It's got to be done like this. And you see the old, you'll detonate the two inner lines and then the outer lines come in, a, in an order. That's what makes the building implode in on itself. And it depends on whether or not you've got steel columns or concrete columns as to what type of materials you use to, you know, what type of explosives you have to use. This, folks, is what a building that's set to demo to be demolished looks like before the, the charges go off. You think you're going to be able to hide that in the World Trade Center? Because, you know, you're going to have to remove the walls to get to those columns, right? Was anybody ever reported any of that information in the days leading up to the supposed, you know, implosion? Building 7, North Tower, South Tower. Did we have any of this? Oklahoma City, did we have any of this? No. You got no evidence of this type of thing. That's what it looks like when you're going to bring it down by, well, Joe, it was a rapid thing. They just had to do it on the fly. Then you're not going to detonate it in an order that brings the building down properly. You might not even get it to come down with the first set of detonations. If you want it to come down on cue, you got to do this type of stuff. This is called engineering, boys and girls. Nobody ever goes over that for you. This is just a test blast. This is how if you do it right. But these are all your little conclusions, right? And then another thing. Whoop. Coming on the board by Dip by DDT. How do they find the passports of the terrorists through all that fire and explosion? Hmm. That's easy. How do you find somebody's driver's license in a car that burned up when his wallet was in it? Still happens. It's just one of those flukes. How does a building survive when a class four tornado or five tornado goes through the town? Still happens. That's just one of those flukes of physics. Sailor Sun 66 on the board it says this plan could have been worked on for years and it could have been done very covertly. Eh, maybe. I'm not as sympathetic to that one as a lot of people might be. But there's other reasons for that. Here's another thing we need to look at. That's what a controlled implosion looks like. The dust comes from the bottom of the picture, not the top. Twi to the twin trade towers, the dust and debris field starts at the top and flows down. 
from a controlled implosion, it starts from the bottom and goes up because the first detonation has to be at the floor level. Otherwise, it doesn't come down the way you want it to. And I got a little news flash for you, boys and girls. If all I want to do is blow the building up, you don't get to just put demolitions in there and blow it up. It doesn't work that way. And trust me, I've seen what happens to a building when it gets hit with bombs, big ones, 1,000, 2,000 pounders. Doesn't always bring the building down. A lot of times it just collapses one face of the building. That's a 2,000 pound bomb. This building here was probably brought down with just a couple hundred pounds of explosives. One of the things that happens to us in our culture, and it's because that we've been so much Hollywood and, and so much garbage that we're fed all the time. We don't understand that much about how explosives work. Or like, like when we were doing the Oklahoma City bombing, there's a thing called a Brescian's number. This is, this is physics, okay? This is engineering stuff. But the Brescian's number tells you how fast the explosion, how fast does it make the air move? How fast does the shockwave travel? That number has to be at a, a certain number in order to cut the steel in the concrete column, let alone a steel support column. An ammonia nitrate, um, AMFAB bomb, or, you know, they don't, they don't have a high enough Brescian's number to cut the rebar in the concrete columns. They never will. So the Oklahoma City bombing was not done by a car bomb using ammonia nitrate bomb. That's just physics. Anybody and everybody who knows explosions, they know that that didn't happen that way. It didn't. Now, if you have a big enough ammonia nitrate bomb, you can bring a building down using overpressure, blast wave. The problem is a blast wave is omnidirectional. It goes in all directions equally. And in order to have created a blast wave big enough in Oklahoma City to bring that building down, to push it in, you'd have had a bigger crater in the ground than we did. Like 10 times bigger. Because we're, we're needing tons and tons and tons of material to do that. And then the building would have looked different. It would have been pushed in. And it wasn't. The other, reason, the other thing that you, you've got another example of this. They put several tons of explosives next to that one support column on the trade uh, tower in, was it 93? In the basement. And it blew the basement up. But it didn't, it, all it did was crack the support column because the Brescian's number of an uh, ammonia nitrate weapon or device is not big enough to cut the rebar that was in the concrete pillar. So they didn't cut the pillar. Now they did knock the floors of the of the pay of the parking garage down that was caused by the overpressure there's rebar in the in the floor of the of the uh of the parking garage that rebar got broke because of the overpressure you're in a parking garage when the overpressure goes off it's going to push the floors down but it's going to push in all directions equally on the column so it's just like compressing the column so it didn't cut the column even though the truck was parked right next to it physics it's lucky for us that terrorists, they know how to make bombs very well. They don't understand physics very well. So this, this thing with bringing down the buildings, the physics just on purpose, you know, controlled it. The physics are not there for you guys. And by the way, Sailor Sun, if they had done this over years and years and years, that quadruple, quadruple, quadruples the chance of accidental discovery of the, the explosives and the plans. And then you got more and more people you're going to have to keep quiet. I don't think 
I just don't, I don't buy it. I know way too much to think that there was even on building seven. We'll get to building seven later. That, that's the last half of today. I found things on building seven that I, even I didn't know about before. But now we've also got stories of airplanes never hit the building. Here's proof, video proof showing no planes hit the World Trade Center on 9-11. Okay, I guess I'm not going to believe my lying eyes because I saw them hit the, first, the second building plane hit. I saw that one. Most of us, well, I guess the, we just thought we did, right? Okay, that was just really good fake. Fine. It's I know, the Mandela effect. Yeah, I know people who were there. I actually know, I know people who were there when it happened. They saw the second place. I guess my friends are lying to me. Mm, sorry, folks. That building was hit by an airplane, at least the second one. I believe the first one was too, especially since other pilots in the air, there are radio recordings. Hey, he just hit the building. It was witnessed by lots of folks. They saw the airplanes hit the building. That right there. Um, I can't really show it to you because the cursor doesn't show on here with the way I'm doing the program, but on the bottom left wingtip and the upper right wingtip, right in the center fuselage, and then to the bottom left and the bottom in a, a straight to the right, you, you can see where the engines hit. If you know what you're looking at, that's the silhouette of an airplane. And it looks an awful lot. It's very similar to the silhouette of a kamikaze that hit the side of a United States battleship in the Battle of Okinawa, which we see the silhouette of the airplane smacked into the side of the ship. Problem was, little aluminum Japanese airplane does not go through the side of a battleship. It's too thick of armor. So what they ended up with was just a black smudge stain on the side of the ship. Looks a lot like this. But in this case, that's where the plane went through. That's a hit, folks. We, we, we have evidence that, that there it is again. The, the planes hit the buildings, okay? They did. It's just life. I know that a lot of people prove to me that it didn't hit. It did. Joe, they were missiles. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. I know what missile hits look like. No, they weren't. By the way, if you know what you're looking at in this picture, you can see stress damage already in the building. On the left-hand side of the picture, on the left edge of the picture, right below the smoke, you'll see that the, there's a little white piece of the building that's cracked almost. And then there's a piece of the building right above it. It's, it's horizontal. There's stress damage to the corner structure of the building right there. That's bad news right there for a building. Cause if you lose one of the corners, rest of the building comes down. So we've already got stress damage into that, that side of the building right there from the impact of this hit. Incidentally, I know, tells us that you know, these buildings were designed to sustain a hit from a 707, fully loaded 707. Has anybody ever done this? This will show you um, a 707. Maximum takeoff weight is 333,600 pounds. Max takeoff weight. So that is the maximum weight that these buildings were designed to sustain a hit from and doing about 500 mile an hour. Well, these buildings were hit by 767s, and the maximum design takeoff weight starts at 284,000 pounds. So just about 40,000 pounds less than the maximum of a 707, but the maximum takeoff weight of 767 is 450,000 pounds. You're talking with about an, ex, uh, an airplane that's almost, almost half again as big as a 707. 
So assuming that I've put a margin of safety error in my calculations and I've designed my twin trade center to hit get hit by 707 with, let's say, a 20% margin of error, it is entirely possible that that 767 was exceeding at least by 30% margin of error. The point is the size of the plane that hit the building was over the limit of what the building was actually designed to take a hit from. That's been lost in a lot of this storytelling. That's an important factor, folks. You can't ignore these things. It's, it's engineering. We're dealing with physics. If I hit a building that's designed to get hit by a Mustang, Mustang GT, but I hit it with a Ford F-150, guess what's going to happen to the building? I'm going to severely weaken it, if not bring it down, you know, or whatever. I'm just giving you a rough idea here. I'm trying to get you into the ballpark of understanding this. The physics behind this, if, if you're an engineer, have you noticed? Have you ever looked into this? Most of the people debunking the 9-11 theories are engineers or architects. Because every one of them looked at it and said, no, no, not what everybody thinks it is. They Because they knew what they were looking at. A lot of the doctors that came out and told us in COVID that it was not what the media and Fauci were telling us. These were the doctors that actually deal in infectious diseases who aren't paid by the government. These were the doctors who invented the technology that was being jammed into our bodies. These doctors knew what they were talking about, so they knew what the media was telling you was a lie, and they were immediately censored. A lot of the theories of 9-11 serve the government's purposes, so they're allowed. But notice, if I warn you about the, the lies on COVID, I get censored, but I can say anything I want about 9-11. That right there should be an indication to you that you're barking down the wrong road. If you're hitting something closer to the truth, they will censor you. You know that. I know that. So why do they allow all these 9-11 theories? Because they serve a purpose. But as soon as you start getting close to something, like if I, end of the show, I'll tell you what I think really happened. You start barking down that trail, you will get silenced. Because now you're on the right trail. So back to, uh, I've also heard that the planes that hit the towers were drones. Well, that's the plane that is the plane that hits the second tower. That one right there. That is from the video footage that watches it all the way into the building. That is a United Airlines airplane. Look, see how it's painted? Blue on the bottom, gray on the top. And by the way, the wings, they're actually silver. See right there underneath the wing, it's a lighter color. That's what it looked like. And that's what we have here. But now this is one of the pictures that they'll show you and they'll say, look. This plane has a gray belly. No, it doesn't. That's blue. This is a problem of, of first of all, when you take a picture that's real small anyhow and you, you overpixelate it, you blow it up, you start distorting everything you're looking at. So they've introduced problems into this picture to begin with by blowing it up. They haven't resolved anything. They've introduced it. Now, where are my expertise in this? Oh, I don't know. I've just made a living for the last 20 years examining pictures. And I sort of kind of got paid to do picture examination for a few years before that. But, you know, I'm not allowed to talk about that. But I've made a reputation in my industry for seeing things in pictures that most people miss. I've been taught how to examine a picture. This here is a blue-bellied aircraft with light gray wings. This is a United Airlines airplane. 
It says, but look, there's something attached to the side and it's red and white in color. No, it isn't. That right there is a sun glint. It can distort the colors and the images that you think you're seeing because what you're looking at is the sun glinting in a refraction off of the uh, engine to sell. I don't know what color that is. Nobody can tell you what color that is. This plane could be painted black and your sun glint will look like it's sheer white or silver. You cannot tell. And that's because of the distortions in the, in the paint from the gloss cut coat that the paint is made out of and the way the sun's hitting it. This picture is nothing more than what it purports to be. This is not proof of conspiracy. This is proof of a United Airline airplane hitting the daggum building. You got to have some expertise in what you're looking at. The people who push our conspiracy theories are depending on the fact that you don't. In a lot of cases, the people put putting the theory together, they don't have the expertise necessary to know what they're looking at. This case, I know how to read that picture. This doesn't this doesn't surprise me one bit. But then now here's another one. This is proof, Joe. Look, here we got proof. See the circle? That's a missile underneath the no, it isn't. That's the wheel well. What? Yes, it's the wheel well. And if you look on the other side of the plane, it's straight and bulged too. The bottom part of modern airliner looks like a box blended into the wing. That's where the wheels go. The wheels on this airplane are huge. There's many of them. They need a big area to put them in, and you don't want them up into the fuselage because that's where you sit. So they build a box that sits underneath the wings. That's all you're seeing is the box structure under the wing of that aircraft. That is not a missile. That's nothing fancy. You know, by the way, before I went to become a mechanical engineer, I started out wanting to be an aeronautical engineer. I know airplanes. Yes, I know. I'm, 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 I'm an amateur. But I know airplanes, folks. I know airplanes. Since back when they were made out of wood and paper or cloth and dope. I've studied aviation. That's nothing more than the wheel well box. So the folks who don't understand airplanes look at that and they think they're seeing a missile. And as soon as somebody tells you what it is, you're going to see it. That's not a missile. And if it was, that's not where you carry it. It wouldn't work from right there in that position. Then there's the stories of, well, how did you find this guy's passport? That's actually very easy to explain. If he's flying the airplane, the red is the first strike. Comes from the right and hits the left, and you see where the arrow shows you where they found debris from the airplane. The purple is the second strike, you know, the one where they get either one of these works. The front nose of the airplane, the cockpit, the front section, that's what's going to make it through the uh, through the building and into the into the street. And in the case of the purple one, it splits up and it lands. They find debris in three different places. I have no problem with that because you have photographic evidence of it. No, we don't, Joe. You don't. Look at this picture here. That's the second strike. You see the two behind the pole. See the pole with the, the, the yellow sign with the right turn? Behind that pole, go above the sign, behind that pole, you see those two little streaks? One's kind of white and black, and the other one's gray. You can also see the, the shadows of them on the building below the orange fireball. That's the nose section of the airplane leaving the building. Have you ever studied the explosive pictures of the Challenger explosion? Did you ever look at that? Did you ever look at where they show you where the cockpit of the airplane is, of the aircraft of Challenger, when it falls through the debris? It's nowhere near the fireball. It got ejected from the fireball. It's, it's off to the, to the side and below everything. It falls faster than everything else. This is the same thing. This is the same type of physics. The cockpit went through. Look, they're not on fire. 
those things that are escaping, they're not on fire. So if you're still stuck in that cockpit and it's coming apart, but it's not burning, well, there's how your passport survived. Easy peasy, nothing fancy. There's no, there's no, nothing complicated here. Simple physics. And you're going to find this in many, many, many types of crashes where things, one big thing goes fast moving object goes through a smaller moving object. If um, you got a train that goes through a truck, you'll see the debris pushed out of the truck and it'll be blown into an arc on the ground because the train hit and it forced it out the other side of the truck. You can find these things. It's just, it's weird how this stuff works. But this is what, this is a picture of what exactly what I expect to see. Now, I've seen one conspiracy theory that shows this picture, and what they show you is the fireball, and they say, look, no nose of the airplane coming out. But they don't ever show you this picture because this picture shows you where the nose and the the white one, the white streak here behind the pole, that's probably the cockpit. And the, the black streak that's up higher and in front of it, that's probably the front nose gear. More than likely. The nose gear is lighter. It's going to fly faster, fly farther. This is this is just photographic evidence of exactly what I would expect to find. It explains a lot of things right there in that one picture, if you know what you're looking at. Now, this picture is that this is just um, it's from one of our stories. You've got if you're on the your show notes, you got a lot of links to different things, pros and cons, but you got a lot of links in there that have linked you to. This is just going to show you the engineering and how the inside core of the building is designed and how the See, the way the floor plan, what's important here to understand is all those rods, it looks kind of like the rods in a nuclear reactor in the, the right hand, upper right hand side. Those rods support the center structure of the building, which is the bottom right. So it shows you inside core of the floor plan, the yellow, yellow squares. That's the primary structural support of the building. Now, the rest of the floors are suspended off of those. They have no support until they get to the outside of the building. This was done to make for maximum open area inside the floors where you worked so that you didn't have a lot of columns in the way everywhere you went. You're always weaving and winding your way through it. The problem with this is once an airplane punches its way through the outside steel supports, there's nothing to keep it from just plowing right through everything else in the building. It's going to go all the way through, and that's exactly what it did. And it will probably survive enough. Enough of the wing structure will survive to take out some of those center supports. Not a lot of them, but a few of them. But here's the key. As soon as you destroy the outside steel support holding these, these floors up, those floors are no longer supported. They're just hanging in midair by the center column. It doesn't take a lot. If the center columns start to get weak and lean, it does not take a lot to bring the rest of this building down at that point. You have fatally, uh, you've fatally subverted or, or undercut the supporting structure of the building just by flying through them. Now, you remember I told you in that one picture, we had a damage to the corner of the building, and we did. Well, as soon as I damage one of these corners, the building can start leaning in that direction because I've take, I've undercut its support. This is just showing you how the building is built and what the damage by the planes would have done. Now, this here, this is a picture that was taken of the uh, first tower collapsing. I don't know that the person who took this picture survived because they're in the path of the debris field. So, but have you ever seen this picture? Until last night, I hadn't. 
this is me doing my searching again. This, this is me showing you that I've learned how to search the internet. I had never seen that picture. That is not a building implosion. That's a collapse. And you see all these, if you're looking at the picture, you'll see these little white streaks or dots that look like little pieces of rigatoni. Or, I mean, not rigatoni, but like some sort of like pasta or whatever, like couscous or whatever. It's just, just little white lines and everything. That's the steel supposedly to be turning turned into powder. Those are pieces of the steel structure, support structure. What you have to understand is the steel support girders on the outside of these buildings, they're not one piece. They're riveted together sections. So as it starts to collapse and buckle, the joints pop and snap, and they get cut down into little 8 to 12-foot sections. They didn't turn to dust like everybody says. The dust right here that you're seeing, that what looks like an implosion, that's just dirt and debris. That's mortar. Um, that's gypsum board, you know, sheetrock. That's plaster. That's uh, concrete turning to dust. That's all the other building materials in that building. That's where the dust comes from. It's coming from the other materials being pulverized. Now, I found another picture that really shocked me. It's the one I've always been looking for. And until last night, I had never found this. There's the picture I wanted. You know what that picture shows me? First of all, that's not a controlled explosion. That is the building leaning over to the side and falling over to the side, toppling. And it's toppling right where the plane hit it along the line from the upper right wing down to the lower left wing, right on that corner I showed you where it was damaged. That is exactly what I would expect the building to do if a plane flew through it. Like I said, I'm just going on what I was taught in engineering school. But this is exactly what I would expect to see from an aircraft strike on this building. And there's the picture that I've always wanted. Now, as that picture starts to fall, fall and collapse down on the building underneath it, it pancakes the build of floors underneath it. By pancake means these floors hit this floor, and then that floor gives way and falls onto this floor, and it falls onto this floor, which all the floors below, it'll cause dust to go poof out the windows because it's causing overpressure down through the elevator shafts and through the rest of the building. Exactly what we see in the conspiracy theory videos. Exactly what I would have been able to predict. Exactly what I'm expecting to see. This is exactly what I expect to see. And I've, excuse me, I've always wanted, never had that picture. That is proof that these buildings came down exactly as the official narrative says they are. If you know what you're looking at. Most engineers would have told you this already. They knew it. I knew what I was looking for, but I need the picture. There it is. That one is absolutely perfect. And what happens when things pancake? Remember, if you watched the buildings from the distance fall, it started slow and then it sped up. And that's called a moment of impact. It, it's the it's a physics term, but what happens is when uh, you survive airbags work by reducing the moment of impact. It's the period of time that the force is exerted on something before it's either stopped or it pushes it in the other direction, overcomes the resistance. What an airbag does is that when you get hit, when you get hit in front end collision, you go forward in your seat, the airbag blows up and you it doesn't stop you, it slows you down. You still go forward into the airbag, but it gives you a force in the opposite direction and it slows you down. It reduces the moment of impact. The net effect is 
that it takes what might have been a 25 G deceleration and it turns it into an eight or nine or 10 G deceleration. Because it, it, and sometimes when you're doing the physics problem, I only need to increase a moment of impact by a second, maybe two. And I can keep you for the difference between living and dying. You could fall from an airplane from 20,000 feet. If you hit the ground, you die. If you hit a hay bale that's big enough, you might walk away without a problem, without a fall, not, not a scratch. And that has been recorded in history. That has happened where people landed on the, on the ground from 10, 15, 20,000 feet and walked away because they landed one time in world war one, you landed in a manure pile and it was so soft that it reduced the moment of impact. It's just physics. So as the building collapses down more weight hits the building, the floor underneath it, that floor can't hold the weight up. So the moment of impact is not sufficient to stop. And it, the, the momentum of the weight above it overcomes the floor's resistance and it falls and it hits the next floor. Well, now you got even more weight and you have a little bit more speed. And what happens is things accelerate as they go down, which is exactly what we saw in the videos. The collapse accelerates. It's exactly what we saw. It's exactly what I expect to see if this is what we're told it is. The conspiracy theory people never want to tell you about that. If the conspiracy is real, they have no problem directly confronting the things I'm telling you because they'll have an explanation for it. They don't. They avoid them. They don't show this stuff to you. I don't like that. If you're right, if you're correct, at least show it to me. Now here, on the left of this picture, you'll see a big piece of the sidewall falling down. But on the right, you see all sorts of little black pieces. of water. You'll also see more of the sidewall if you know what you're looking at. I wish I could put the cursor on this for you, but I can't. But if you know what you're looking at, you're seeing the big sections of the side. This is not an implosion. This is a disintegration. And it's going in every direction. You will never find a purposely demolished building that follows this pattern that looks like this. This is what a building looks like when it just falls apart. All that dust is the concrete and the sheetrock, the gypsum, the floors, the tile. That's all the other building materials in that building being pulverized. But the steel is not turning to dust. The steel is right in the pit. There it is. There it is. That steel did not turn to dust. You just can't see it because of the dust. It's hidden. But when you get to ground level, it's there. And people will say, well, there's not a big enough pile. Yes, there is. Remember, it took them weeks to get down into that, looking for people to live that were, might still be alive. It took weeks. It took months to clear the ground, ground level. You have to remember that the bulk, of, you look at these big buildings and you think that it's just one solid. It isn't. It's a hollow building. It's mostly empty space. It's not as much construction material as you think. If you've never built a building, you don't understand. You, you can have a 3,000 square foot house. And I can bring everything you're going to need to frame it and put the structure around it in on maybe four trucks. It won't look like much, but that's your 4,000 square foot, three, 4,000 square foot house sitting there on four, four flatbed semis. And yeah, literally that's how it works. I know it doesn't seem like it, but it, it, that's because we don't, we don't stop to think about these things, but this right here, that's the steel not turning to dust. That's the steel just falling to the ground. And if we go back to the picture before it, you see it on the left and on the right, the bottom of the right dust cloud or whatever, there's a little black area that kind of sort of kind of looks like part of a square buried in the, that's, that's more steel building coming down hidden by dust. The steel is just falling off 
and all the little black pieces you see on the outside, that's more of the steel being broken into small pieces. It didn't turn to dust. So the people who claim that, they're just wrong. They don't know what they're looking at. The photographs tell us. The photographs have shown us, um, excuse me, right there. And there are more of these pictures. If you look for them, you'll find more of these pictures. The, this stuff is everywhere in the photographic evidence. A lot of the photographic evidence, however, from the from this incident has been kept from us or hidden from us for some reason. Now, says, so you know, the fires can't melt steel, right? Well, first of all, do you know what a blast furnace is? It's from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Blast furnace now is a vertical shaft furnace that produces liquid metals by the reaction of a flow of air introduced under pressure into the bottom of the furnace with a mixture of metallic or coke flux fed into the top. Blast furnaces are used to produce pig iron from iron ore for subsequent processing into steel, and they are also employed in the processing of lead, copper, and other metals. What's that got to do with any of this? They work on the rapid combustion being maintained by the current of air under pressure. That's a blast furnace. You see down at the bottom, it says hot air blast. Air being forced through a vertical chimney. Sort of kind of like what the twin trade towers were. The wind blowing in through not only the holes left by the airplanes, but all the windows that were knocked out by the, by the impact. The wind, and you know it was windy that day. You've seen the smoke moving off almost 90 degrees in the opposite direction. It was blowing, I don't remember what, was it southwest or something? But it was blowing heavy. That wind gets blown into those high towers where it's even faster up high than it is down, down in the street. That worked like a blast furnace. You understand this. You just you just probably never thought about it. This is an old-fashioned blast furnace. Here's the one you've seen most often. That's just a coal-powered forge, right, with a bellows. That's what that big wooden and leather thing there is that blasts the air through the forge. Now, we know the forge will melt steel enough, heat it up enough that we can form it into a hammer or a sword. We've seen men pounding. We've seen that many times in our lives in the movies and on TV. It didn't melt, did it? No. But he was able to reform it and bend it and do things with it. What? Well, yeah, but... I thought that, you know, I have to burn hot enough to melt it. No, I don't. I just need to get it hot enough to bend it. I need to get the steel in the building hot enough for it to lose its tensile strength. That's not hard to do at all, folks. That doesn't have to be 25, 26, 2700 degrees. That can happen at about 1,000 degrees. Guess what else that we found out by just doing a simple search on the Internet? At what temperature do coal fires burn? Coal fire, Joe. We're talking about jet fuel. Patience. Patience. I want to, I want, I just showed you a forge for a reason. What's the maximum temperature of an open fire burning coal and wood? Coal fires ignite at about 572 degrees Fahrenheit, and they can reach temperatures of 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit during combustion. If I force air into there using the bellows, the more air, the hotter it burns and the faster it burns. During the combustion of coal and wood, the maximum temperature of the fire is usually around the maximum temperature of the combustion of coal. In other words, if I add additional materials to the coal, it burns as its hottest possible point. Were there additional materials in this building? Yep, sure were. Furniture, carpet, things like that, that have polypropene materials in them, you know, gasoline-based, oil-based products. 
they can burn real hot, a lot hotter than jet fuel. Jet fuel is designed to burn at a lower temperature, so it's not as much of an explosive problem or threat hazard in a crash. But those materials that were in that building, they burn a lot hotter than jet fuel. So this might be a case of the jet fuel makes sure that these other materials burn as hot as they can. Kind of like the opposite story. You know, it's not that the other materials make the jet fuel burn hotter, but the jet fuel makes the other materials burn hotter. But looky here, what temperature does jet fuel burn? It burns at a temperature of around 800 to 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit, the exact same temperature that the coal can burn. Can coal heat up steel enough that I can shape it and bend it and reform it? Dang tootin' it can, which is exactly what happened. Now, before we get to that, let me see real quick. If you give me just a second. There's a, uh, in your show notes, one of the guys in there did a video. I don't think I have it up. And I don't have it up and ready to go yet. But in your show notes, you're going to find a video, a series of video clips. Um, yeah, here we go. In just a second. Here we go. It's in your show notes. It says, uh, this man decides to put jet fuel can't melt steel beams conspiracy theory to the test. And he goes through and he shows you the video of where he can't melt it. So see, he, he's, he fails, but no, look what he just did to that bar. That bar is only like 1800 degrees. It's nowhere near melting temperature, but it bends like no problem. Nobody's problem. Look what he does with it. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Not a problem, Jack. So exactly what I was telling people, I don't need it to melt steel. I need it to weaken the steel and did that just fine. Another thing we're told, well, there was insulation on the, on the steel girders. Not so fast boys and girls. No, there wasn't. This is another picture from a structural engineer and it's showing you where the red arrows are. That's showing you that underneath the steel columns, the fire insulation was either damaged or missing. Not there. So even if it's in place above and below those arrows, that section right there that it's showing you is not protected. And all I need is one of those columns to bend. And then the column next to it will bend. It's called sympathetic failure. And notice here on the left, where it says the 93rd and 150, those arrows pointing to the left, that's a corner column. If I lose that column, I lose that corner of the building. If I lose that corner of the building, it falls. In this picture, it'll fall from our right to our left. And in this picture, that's exactly how the airplane hit, angled down left, up, up high on the right. That building will fall exactly the way we saw the one in our picture fell. Remember I told you that was the picture I've been looking for? That's because that picture says that this is an airplane strike and that building was collapsed exactly the way we're told it did. It fell because the structure had been compromised. That's simple. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just simple physics. And I have a bunch of stories in here for you that you can go look at. This is what caused the World Trade Center to collapse. This is how stuff works. Comment on the board, dip by DDT, normal fire in a ship can melt and warp bulkheads and decks, all heavy steel. Worse than that, all met, that's armor steel. In World War II, it would do that. And that, that steel was four, five, six, some, some places, eight, nine, ten inches thick. Yes, sir, it will do that. And those ships in World War II, they were, and I'm going to go to World War II, not even modern. They were designed to burn. 
They didn't have a lot of flammable stuff in them on purpose because they knew they could get hit and burn. And fire was still the number one threat to a ship. And they're made out of thick, heavy steel. This building wasn't made out of thick, heavy armored steel. So yes, excellent point, Dip. Here's one. This is by How Stuff Works. There's another one by Scientific American. When the towers fell, and they tell you about how and what. This one here is architecture and design. They tell you building engineers, experts explain how the twin towers collapse. So that's a building engineers explaining it to you now too. Why the World Trade Centers fell, thought.com. It's actually not a bad website. Here, Tech Explorer. This is another tech site showing you why it happened. Notice you get a fire in the middle. You got your weakened already uh, compromised columns. They get weak. They bow out. The top comes down. Pancakes right on down. Boom, bada, boom, boom, boom. Sympathetic collapse is what it's called. This is the, we've already seen that pull picture from it. This is a Stephen War ran. This is construction factors of the building. Shows you how, how it was made. And here's a blow up of it. See here, the, the first and second strikes, they show you straight into the columns. Just tailor-made to take down these buildings. And then it shows you how the floor girders are designed. It shows you everything. You go through and read that. That right there is very, very informative. If you know what you're looking at, none of this is a surprise anymore. 9-11 happened exactly like what we saw. That is not, there is a conspiracy here. Not in this. This is also one. This is, I thought, the Twin Towers and Building 7 collapsed. Well, this shows you other damaged buildings. It's a blow up of it. But this is where World Trade Center 7 was. That's five. Look at the damage done to five. The building has been just, the roof is compromised. That building has to be brought down. It's toast. And then World Trade Center 6 is knocked out. We see where the towers and everything were. But the, the footprint, in other words, is a lot bigger than what a, a designed implosion would be. This, these buildings literally fell on top of an area much wider than what, what we'd be thinking. What structural engineers learned from 9-11, this is, very, this is like an after-action report in the military. This will tell you what they learned that they thought they knew and they knew they were wrong. And this is from the professional community. This one's very, it's by Scientific American. It's very worth reading. This is a video. <laughs> this video is interesting. You might want to watch it sometime. It's a simulation, but it also goes with, it's got a lot of photographic evidence from the, from the actual event. It's also a simulation of what's going on. And by the way, that black sooty smoke, that tells you that you have a very, you have a fire that's not, combust. first of all, it's not combusting all the materials, but you also have a fire that's primarily fueled by fossil fuels like rubber and uh, jet fuel. It's a very, it's a fuel rich fire is what that is. There's a, it's a hot fire. There's a lot burning there. And then this is another uh, a new theory explains collapse of the World Trade Center. So, you know, you do with that what you want with that. We're going to stop right there because that'll start us on um, the building number seven. We'll deal with that after we come back with the break. What I have right now is all these theories about no airplanes hit the building. Bunk. You and I watched the second plane hit the building, and there is video footage of the first plane hitting the building. I found it last night. Yes, video. And I snagged it. And I, I actually, thanks to the Arctic tortoise, I have the tools to do that now. I didn't get it processed in time to show you today, but there is video footage of the first plane hitting the building, and it is a, a U.S. Uh, 
uh, American Airlines or whatever, you you can see it. It's an American Airlines airplane. It's exactly what we're told it was. You never see that footage for some reason. Why? I find that curious. It, it was up. I found it yesterday and I snagged it. So I have it on my computer at home. So that one. And then the second plane is United Airlines. Yep. That one, I believe we, we've got, we see the photograph. We see the video. It, it, that is going to be entirely, it, it, it's, it's one thing if CNN fakes it, but it was everybody with a camera that faked it that day. That's not possible, especially all the people on the ground with their own personal, excuse me, personal phones videotaping this. That's not possible to fake. You can't do that. And it wasn't faked. Those planes hit the buildings. And then there's been a lot of, there were drones. No, they weren't. They were carrying missiles. No, they weren't. If you know what you're looking at, they are just clean, regular 767s, airline aircraft hitting the building. If you know how to read the pictures, if you know what airplanes look, that that's just, it is what it is, what it is, man. I've been around airplanes literally my entire life. My father was in the Air Force. He worked on every airplane the United States military ever flew from the T-33 all the way up until the F-22. The only planes he said he never put his hands on was a U-2 and an SR-71. It says otherwise, if the military flew it, he worked on it. I've been around them. My whole life, I know what they look like. I know, uh, Jack, I, I'd have been a pilot if it hadn't been for my bad eyeballs. And I know what planes look like all the way back in World War II. I was four or five years old by the time my uncle had me where I could identify every plane of, of World War II, every major combatant aircraft. I knew them by sight at the age of five. And I know all the major airplanes from World War I now. I learned those too. I'm an aviation geek. These are exactly what they're purported to be. 767s, standard airline aircraft. They're exactly what we're told they were. And then we also have some other things. You have all the cell phone calls from those airplanes. What the heck, man? We've got a lot of those are recorded. We have all the radio chatter of the other pilots in the area that were watching this happen. They were calling into the tower, telling people what they were seeing. This is secondary evidence. You've got thousands of witnesses. I know some of them. I've got a friend that still lives up there. He was there when it happened. I trust that guy implicitly. He has helped me run my business for 20 years. He's helped me make money. I know that guy. He's not lying to me. He saw this happen. Coming on the board by Dip by DDT. He says, news media added to the fire by trying to get the best footage. So they CGI and altered real footage. Yes, now that happens after the fact. And notice a lot of the photographs I showed you today, I told you I'd been hunting for. If you knew how I found them, you're not going to find them on a picture search. I found them by going into people's Facebook pages. They're private, personal Facebook pages. You got to know where to find things. You got to know who and where to look. We also have, we've got all the video and photo records. And like I said, I've shared some of it with you. Some of it's probably pictures you've never seen before. Now, maybe you have. But there were pictures I hadn't ever seen before today. And you have the forensics data. And not just the bodies that were found, but we have the parts of the airplanes. You, you even have pieces of the airplane from the Pentagon strike. We're not going to go there today. I'm just going to be on the World Trade Center section. We know as a fact an airplane hit the Pentagon building. There are pictures of it. Some of the pictures they show you, and they say, see, no airplane. There's a hill. 
And if you know what you're looking at, you see the vertical tail fin of the airplane on the other side of the hill. It's in the picture that they tell you that shows no airplane. It's right there in the picture. You just don't know what you're looking at because the plane's on the other side of the hill. It's following Napa the Earth. It's in the picture. Plus, there are photographs, still photographs and pieces taken from video from the beltway, from the highway around the Pentagon, looking at the side of the wall that was hit by the aircraft. And you can see a, a, an engine and pieces of the fuselage and pieces of the wing in the foreground of that picture. It's right there. And we see pieces of the wreckage of the airplane that hit the Pentagon on the ground, right where we'd expect to see them. That one, maybe we'll do that in another day. But that is exactly what I expect to see if you hit the Pentagon. You got to remember, the Pentagon's not a normal building. The Pentagon is a fortress. It was meant to be bombarded. It was built to stand up to artillery. For real, it was. So when that airplane hits the side of that wall, it gets turned into plasma, which is exactly it does, plasma, an, an energy jet, hot molten aluminum energy jet. It'll incinerate everything. It turns the matter into energy, just like, you know, that laser beam. And it will leave a hole punched through all the walls about the diameter of the fuselage. And it'll reduce in diameter as it goes through the next wall and the next wall and the next wall, which is exactly what we have. And the conspiracy theorists say, see, proof of a missile. No, proof of a plasma jet is exactly what I'd expect to find from an aircraft traveling at almost 600 mile an hour of that size, hitting an armored wall of concrete like that. The damage is exactly what I expect to find. If you know materials, if you know building structure and physics, if you know your engineering, it's exactly what I expected. The photographic evidence is there. So what about the picture, Joe, that doesn't show the airplane hitting it, the picture from the gate? Yeah, it took a picture, what was it, every five or six seconds? At 600 mile an hour, the plane hit the building between the picture frames. That one's easy peasy to explain. They never cover all of the evidence. They only show you what they want you to see, like that picture we started the show with. Look only at what I tell you to look at. You have to train yourself to look for the rest. What are they not telling you? They did it with COVID. They do it with climate change. They do it with everything they lie to you about. Show you only what they want you to know and don't tell you the rest. And they censor the people who try to bring you the rest of the story. You know, Paul Harvey, now the rest of the story. Look for what they're censoring. We'll cover that in the second hour. The end of the second hour, they are censoring something huge. And it's all, it's what 9-11 was all about. It's what it was all about. And if you go poking around in that direction, a hammer will come down on you. You can poke around with all the con conspiracy theories about bringing the buildings down you want. It serves their purposes. You have to understand how this works. Remember, the CIA is the one that come up with the idea of conspiracy theories to shut down the investigation into JFK's assassination. And now we know why. Because they were involved. Yeah, in case you haven't paid attention, that material has been released by the government. We now know that there were several shooters involved in JFK's assassination, and the U.S. government was as well. CIA, primarily. Exactly like people had been telling us for decades. And we poo-pooed it. Oh, the Warren Commission. You better look into the people on the Warren Commission and where they went afterwards. One of them became president without ever having to take a vote. Not one vote, and he became president. Heck of a payoff, don't you think? So we're going to take a six-minute break. 
we come back, we're going to tackle building number seven of the World Trade Center. And then I'm going to tell you where the conspiracy really lies. Because it's there, right in your face. And it was it's what the entire event was about. We'll see you in six.
Hey, we're back. I was looking at what I'm going to be showing you all here in just a few minutes. Um, Sailor Sun had a comment while we were gone. He's wanting to know whether or not H.W. Bush was in charge of the CIA when Kennedy was assassinated. No, he was in charge of the CIA in 76, right about the time they removed Nixon or shortly thereafter. So look in that direction first. All right. Building number seven. First things first, I gave you one of the conspiracy theory pages. And let me do this here. It goes over a few things. This is in your homework. You can find it. But it says, uh, fire has never caused any steel-framed high-rise building to collapse in any manner, let alone with the vertical precision of Building 7's destruction. False. Fire has brought down steel-framed buildings before. Go ask San Francisco. It says, World Trade Center uh, 7 fell straight down, which necessitated that all the load-bearing columns be broken at the same moment, inflicting such damage with damage with precision required to prevent a building from toppling and damaging adjacent buildings is what the science of controlled demolition is all about. Uh, that's not what happened. W, uh, WTC seven uh, fell precisely at a rate closely approaching the speed of gravity, gravitational free fall that necessitated the sudden removal of the structure near the ground level that would have impeded its descent. That's not what happened. The collapse of WTC seven exhibited all the features of a standard controlled demolition. No, actually it didn't. First of all, they put a picture of this in their own site. This is WTC7. If it had come straight down, the pile would be right in the middle. But notice that this thing falls to the left, backwards into the left. The picture they give you defeats their own claim. So that's one of the World Trade Center 7 building, whatever, collapsed, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is the proof, apparently, of the conspiracy that it was a controlled demolition. Because the CIA or FEMA or somebody else had a building, you know, kind of like Oklahoma City building bombing. I understand the thinking. I do. I understand the thinking. But what you're telling me is that I plan to bring down the World Trade Centers just so I could collapse WTC-7. That doesn't make sense. Just collapse WTC-7 and say the terrorists hit that building for some reason. If that's exactly what it is you want to do. But that's not what we've got here. If you will go to your show notes, there are several videos here for you. I'll just run through this real quick. You have this one here. Is this caught on tape? WTC Building 7 damaged by debris from the Twin Tower collapse. That's very interesting video right there. And then this one is WTC 7 Building Collapse from 23 different angles. So both of those are in your show notes. And you're going to find them in there if you go and look. And they're very interesting. And then uh, we have uh, other articles in here, questions and answers about the NIST WTC7 investigation and the final report on the collapse of World Trade Center Building 7, Federal Building Fire First, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is from one of the, this is a still shot from one of the videos I just showed you. First of all, when you read into this, they'll tell you that the building didn't burn. Some of the conspiracy theories places will tell you the building didn't burn or that it was just a localized fire. That's the entire building burning. You are very seldom shown this angle. Notice how hard that smoke is, is traveling. That tells you the direction of the wind, how the velocity of the wind. We were just talking about how the wind blew through the twin trade centers, making like a blast furnace. If the wind is light, that smoke will be more of a vertical. Go straight up and down. When it's blowing straight out like that, um, usually that's 45 mile an hour or greater winds. That's how we do um, range estimations on the on the range from a target. 
with a with a shooting flag on your on your rifle range. The flag is there to tell you the wind velocity. That smoke is is that's a heavy wind. So what you have there is a wind fed fire in that building. There's more to WTC7's collapse. This is another picture of the smoke. The color of that smoke also tells you it's not the hottest fire in the world, but it's also it's burning more of the material in the building. It's not fed by fuel. That's that's burning the wood and other uh, furniture and flooring and other things like that. Now, that right there where I circled it, that's a corner of the building that has been taken out by the debris from World Trade Center falling onto the building. That's one of the structural supports necessary to keep this building in the air. Now, they'll tell you that this building fell from the ground up. That's not what happened. This building actually collapsed from the top down. That is not what happens in a controlled demolition. The conspiracy theory is the building was brought down by controlled demolition. We read the page just a second ago. We've already seen in the slideshow controlled demolitions start from the bottom up. I'm going to show you something here in a minute. But if you go back and you look at those videos later on your own time, you will see that the bulk of the trade center that falls next to this building fell into the face of this building, which is on the other side of this picture. You're looking at the back side of this building. Where it got hit with the debris is on the front side. The front side of this building has been undercut. And in the real red circle right there, that's visual, vis photographic, physical, visual proof that the support structure of this building has already been compromised before the fire starts and burns all day. Now, this is another one of the videos. And this here is a, another one of the links in your show. It so, shows you why the explosive demolition hypothesis, it debunks it. It does it very well, too. And it shows you that it's garbage. It, it's, it's, it's a non-viable theory. This is the picture I really wanted to show you. This picture is done by structural engineers. And it shows, it's taking a still shot from the collapse of WTC7. It says the visible onset of damage with the penthouse collapse. And it shows you, if you're watching the video, what, what they've done here. The article is in your, in your show notes. You can go read the article. But what they've done here for you is they took a still shot from the collapse. And they show you the collapse starts up by, by the penthouse. It's at the top of the building. And then it progresses down to B. It progresses here to the east side interior collapse as it spreads. And then C, then there is an interior collapse spreads to the west side of the building. And then D, the back to the top as the exterior now lacking lateral support starts to sag inwards. In other words, the building collapsed from the top down, not what we've already learned demolitions do. Demolition is from the bottom up. This bottom, this building collapsed inward from the top down. The internal support failed. That's probably because part of it was undercut by debris and the other part was weakened and destroyed by the fire. But what happens finally is the columns near the base buckle because they can't support the weight uh, that's collapsing in on them anymore and the entire building collapsed. And it didn't come straight down in its own footprint. We've already seen the picture from the article that claimed it did. We saw the picture that proves this thing actually kind of falls over backwards. It looks like it goes straight down on video because the angle that they show you the collapse is only the one they want you to see. And there's buildings in front of it. And, an, and a, a, a reporter, female reporter, they show you that video. There are other videos of this building coming down that show you that it comes down and then falls backwards. Not what you would expect from an implosion. 
So that evidence just isn't there. This is also a uh, NIST's explanation of World, Tra World Trade Center 7. And it shows you down here, This, um, if you're looking at the picture, what it shows you is there's a bunch of red lines. That, the vertical one going up and down, that's the area of the building that I just showed you in the red line that was damaged. That's a big structural support on the building, a major piece of that building right above the penthouse where the collapse starts. Right here, blow the picture up, right here where these little lines are on the left, and you got the arrow pointing down, and then it fails down in here. This is the column that fails. And then the penthouse comes down, which causes the structure to collapse through the center of the building, which causes the upper west penthouse to collapse in and leads to the final cascade failure, sympathetic failure of the whole building. That column's right there. This is the damaged column right here that you see with all the little red lines and everything. There's your exterior picture. That's the same column. That was done by the building, World Trade Center collapsing into this building. This building fell exactly for the reasons they told us it fell. The foundational support, the structural support was undercut. The building was further weakened by a day-long fire. And finally, the weight above this weakened section just couldn't hold it no more. And down it came. And it did not come down in its own footprint like they claim. It came down and fell over backwards into the area behind it. Per the photographic evidence of the very picture, you know, from the very website that said it was a conspiracy. There's nothing mysterious about Building 7. You just got to know the engineering and you got to look for the evidence. The evidence is there. I just showed it to you. I told when I was talking to Charlie yesterday, I told I showed Charlie some of my preliminary work. And I showed him that picture the diagram of um, the column that the NITS or whatever, right here, showed him this picture. And I said, if I can find photographic evidence that that column right there is on the side of the building facing the trade center and that that was done by the trade center falling, then I know exactly why this building fell. This was before I found the evidence. And I knew, I told him, and now this on the backside, we got a problem. But if this is on the side facing the trade center, I know exactly why this bill, I, that easy peasy, not a problem. My engineering training told me exactly why this fell. Guess what? There it is. I found that evidence last night. That told me exactly why that built. That building fell because the World Trade Center fell into it. And then it burned all day long. Exactly like we're told. There's no mystery here, folks. There's no conspiracy in this. Two planes full of Americans were flown into these buildings and it brought all of this down. You know where the conspiracy is? The fact that the United States intelligence community knew this was going to happen. Coming on the board by Dip, he says, if the powers to be didn't do it, they dang sure let it happen because they knew. Yes, that's where the conspiracy is. Now the, the Sailor Sun 66 says, I agree, Dip. My conspiracies don't lie with the collapse. My conspiracies lie in what did the government know or do to allow it to happen? That's where you should start thinking. Dip says, where, are, where was I on 9-11? Sitting on a ship in the Gulf waiting for two weeks until 9-11. The next day we fired back. Yeah, they needed an excuse for that. If you, and this is hard to find. I should have archived it back when it was happening. It's hard to find now. It's been scrubbed. If you will go in the Wayback Machine, if you were politically aware at 9-11 and you were listening to talk radio, there was a lot of talk about this. 
and I knew better. I should, but this is right about the time I was starting to really, really become politically aware. And, and I was starting to red pill. I was purple at the time. Had I known better, I would have recorded all of this. They, they told us that the intelligence community was well aware of several groups of Middle Eastern men, ethnically Middle Eastern men, learning how to fly that had no interest in landing or taking off. That is a big warner, warning sign, man. That's a big no-no. If you want to fly commercial airliners, but you don't want to learn how to land or take off, there's something wrong with you. And they knew about it. And they didn't do anything about any of them. They say they started watching them. Now, we're told that the reason that they couldn't put this together is that the intelligence community couldn't talk to each other. First of all, that's bullcrap. Uh, coming on the board by Sailor 66, I says, I still think and always will that our government was involved and it was all about the Patriot Act. I'm getting to that. You're ahead of the class there, Sailor Son. So they'll tell you that our intelligence communities could not talk to each other. and We had to pass new laws to make it easier to share information or mandatory. Yes, intelligence communities are really hush-hush about you know what the NSA gets. They don't want to share with the CIA, and the CIA doesn't want to share with the FBI. That's because they're all fighting for their own piece of the government pie, money and recognition and you know, attaboys and everything. But they don't need to talk to each other. They all knew about this. So each and every one of them was independently fully at the FBI, CIA, NSA. They were all independently capable of shutting this down on their own, on their, and they didn't. They didn't. Now, all three of them and, and other intelligence agencies as well, they all work for the deep state. So they're run by people who really, what they saw was, I don't know what these people are planning, but oh boy, here comes a chance for us to push the Patriot Act. That's exactly what I think. That's where you want to start looking. And if you do, I guarantee you, you're going to start having trouble with your research you're going to start running into brick walls. And if you start publishing what you're finding, you're going to start getting censored. Guaranteeing to you, 100, 110% promise you that'll happen. Because now you're hunting down the right road. They didn't directly attack us. They let us be attacked, which in my book is, is just as bad, if not worse. Because they wanted the crisis. Sailor Sun says, supporter, uh, sometimes evil actually tells you the truth, but they omit their part in the truth. Yes. Yes. Now, in Oklahoma City bombing, I got a feeling the government was more involved there than anybody else. Matter of fact, it might have been a strictly government operation. It may have been a problem of the intelligence communities not talking to each other and not realizing they all that all the bad guys playing there were government operatives, and they all let it happen thinking they were going to catch each other. I don't know. We've gone over that, that one. The difference between the Oklahoma bombing and, and 9-11. I brought you the receipts in Oklahoma. There's just as much forensic evidence to suggest that the Oklahoma City bombing was done by a hastily detonated charges on the support columns in the stairwells. We can see in the physical evidence that's left from Oklahoma City where the debt cord was. We can see what we, if we're forensics, you know, building forensics, whatever, demolition people, we know what we're looking at. And a two-star retired U.S. general told us it's exactly what he saw. And he only dealt with, you know, ordinance development for the Air Force at Eglin Air Force Base. That was his job. 
So we had professionals telling us that we have forensic evidence of two explosions. We have radio communications saying that they found an unexploded ordinance in, in one of the stairwells, everything what that, that I brought you in that show from the, from the video documentary I shared with you, that's all backed up. You can't back up any of the conspiracy theory on 9-11 being a controlled collapse. You can't. There's nothing there to support it. Not when all the evidence is brought into, into play. There's no evidence that the, the uh, U.S. government actually flew the planes into the building to do any of that. There's evidence that they let it happen. Now, there's evidence in Oklahoma that not only did they let that happen, they orchestrated it. More than likely, everybody involved in that was working for one of the government agencies at some point or another. I don't think there was a single rogue element in what happened in Oklahoma City. Now, whether or not the intelligence agency just got crossed up and they had three or four of them all playing, you know, and everybody was supposedly a good guy involved and they got out of hand or whether or not they set them all up. I don't know. All I know is that's the first time they tried to force the Patriot Act on us. And there was an element of censorship in there. If you'll remember, Bill Clinton went immediately to censoring talk radio blaming us wanting to take our guns and disarm the people he wanted to use that to get every he wanted to swing for the fence with oklahoma tried it again on the 1993 uh first trade center bombing they finally succeeded with this one this was all about pushing the patriot act all about that it was the crisis they needed to get it shoved down our throat didn't work in oklahoma didn't work in the first trade center they used this because america rallied around that is people died enough people died we were under attack. We all came together and we screamed for the tyranny that was given to us. And then we started shooting people that probably were not involved in any of this. This came out of, uh, came out of Osama bin Laden. So we're told but this came out of the heart of Islam. That's where this came from. It was Islam striking at the great Satan right at the heart of our Baal worship our monetary, you know, materialism. Sailor Sun 66 on the board. Timothy McVeigh was another Oswald, a patsy. More than likely, yes. More than likely, yes. But he was involved, Sailor Sun. Just whether or not he knew that he was going to be hung out to dry, I don't know. He knew he was involved in this. He probably thought he was helping to break up a terrorist ring. Didn't realize he was going to be the terrorist. There's evidence to support that too. There actually is real hard documented evidence to support that that's the likelihood of the situation. We've covered that in a previous show. You're not going to find that type of evidence for bringing down the buildings in 9-11. What you will find if you start poking around and you dig hard enough, long enough, you're going to need to use the Wayback Machine for some of this. You're, you're going to probably have to look for paper documents on some of this or old transcripts from Russia's show and other talk radio stations. You're going to have to look in second and third sources, secondary and third sources, and you're going to have to look for shadows. But you will find the reports that the United States intelligence community knew all about what was going to happen on 9-11. They just claimed innocence after it happened. Well, we couldn't communicate with each other because the laws say we can't. And a bunch of lies. And even if the law said they did, since when does the federal government obey the law? Serious question. Since when do they obey the law? In fact, you're conditioned every day to think that they, they're good guys when they don't. You ever watch NCIS? Yeah, go Gibbs. Get them, guys. They're violating the Constitution left and right, and you're cheering for them. They're bad guys. You've turned criminals into heroes just because they wear the badge. That's, that's one of the biggest effects of that show. 
And we made it sexy when we still had Tony and Ziva on the show. It's sexy to be a criminal, to violate civil rights, because they're getting the bad guys. Wait a minute. If you're the bad guy, what bad guy are you getting? Well, that's based in what our government does. It does whatever the heck it wants. It violates the Constitution all the time. It violates the law all the time. It, this is laws for us, not for them. So what's this garbage in 9-11 about? Well, we couldn't talk to each other. You, you do whatever the heck you want anyway. So don't give me that crap. I'm tired of people getting caught with their finger in the cookie jar and then going, oh, I'm sorry, and then nothing ever happens to them. You dig down that rail road, you will find the true 9-11 conspiracy. They don't mind you talking about all sorts of stuff that has nothing to do with the reality. The reality is they were looking for a reason to push 9-11, the, the Patriot Act, rather. 9-11 was perfect. They knew it was coming. They didn't know. How, and they may not have known how bad it was going to be. They may not have known the target, but they knew it was coming, and they knew who was involved, and they were ready to deal with that, too, because notice what happened. The only people who flew in 9-11, other than the military, were the Saudis that were allowed to escape this country. It's all about the money, money, money. The ruble must roll, and so must the oil. Drunk off the wine. Now, if you're looking for, hey, you know, Mystery Babylon fell in one hour, and look, and all that other good stuff from the Bible, well, I can see shadows of that. It's not the way I read those prophecies, but I can see shadows of that. That was an attack on America's pride and joy, you know, the tr World Trade Center. This is where the world comes to do business. It hit right at the heart of our materialism. I don't like what they did or how they did it. But spiritually, they weren't wrong. They were going after an apostate country. It's just that they're apostates themselves. Muslims are. Um... Get caught through, digging through the cookie jar. Oh, uh, I thought that was a spinach in there. Yeah, exactly. Making yourself stronger. So I do know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they, um, the government knew, and that's where the true conspiracy lies. That's where I would hunt and dig if I were you. I think you'd be more profitable there. You'd get somewhere worth getting. But you might still think that they brought the buildings down or it was a missile or it wasn't really planes. That's fine. It's okay. I've told you why I don't believe it. A lot of this stuff you've probably never seen or heard before. And that's because the conspiracy sites never tackle any of this. If I ever bring you a conspiracy, folks, I'm going to bring the receipts and I'm not going to mind tackling the opposition. The people telling me I'm crazy, I'll take it head on. Because if I can't, then I've got no reason to believe that conspiracy. It makes me irrational. And that goes against everything that I believe in, everything I want to be, every, everything I, every, the way I want to act. I want to be driven by reason. I want rational reasons to believe, even the scriptures. You got to take it on faith, Joe. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't say that. The faith in the Hebrew it's not quite, not exactly quite the way we take faith in our English language and our modern culture. So understand the concept. For me, I've got to have a reason to believe something before I'm going to go chase after it. This is why I wanted to tackle 9-11. Conspiracy, yeah, but not the one that everybody believes. Because it's too easily explained.
and I mean easy peasy explained, even to some idiot like me who never finished his engineering degree. I know enough to explain this one. The pros who do this for a living, it's probably a major annoyance to them that people still believe this crap. Because they know better. But now, if you've had any training in, uh, in the business, the indications that there was an operation going on here an intelligence operation. No, now those are everywhere. And that's where the true conspiracy lies in that direction. That's going to require a lot more work. And they're going to start shutting you down if you start getting anywhere with it. Because they can't afford to have the truth revealed. So that's what I had for today. Talk too fast. I got through the material too fast. But that's what we got. If you've got anything else that you want to ask about this particular subject, get it on the board quick or give us a call. If you want to follow on what I did, your show notes right there, the road to Concord today, 9-11 conspiracy theories, really? We'll see. There's everything I drew from. There's some of the videos and these links down here that I'm bouncing on, these two right here that are going binking black and blue, black and blue on your board. Those are the videos of the WTC-7 being hit and collapsing. But all of that, some of those are pros, and so some of those are con. You can go through all of that in your own time. You can look for more. Those are the ones I use to do your show today. That right there, that's the number one picture for me on WT-7. WTC-7, World Trade Center 7. That tells me that this, this was no controlled demolition. This was exactly what I was told it was. One of the trade centers, one of the big towers fell into that foot of that building, undercut it, it caught fire, and it collapsed. Easy peasy. No conspiracy there. All right. Another short day. Short class, short session. We'll call it a day. Tomorrow's a Founding Father and Fallacy Friday. I think tomorrow we need to go back and we need to have a talk about rights. What are they? Where do they come from? Exactly. Let's tighten that up a little bit. We live in a world that doesn't even know what a right is anymore, and yet everybody's screaming not to trample their rights. You people don't even know what a right is. Let's talk about it. And I don't mean you listening to me. Hopefully you all understand, and there's the class, and hey, it's a to whom it may concern dart. If you squeal, that's on you, not me. We thank you for being here, for joining us. If we're doing anything you find valuable, please share the show. Remember, warn them. The host is a, he's a snarky little jack wagon. Takes time to get used to. You may never get used to them. Pay attention to the material. That's where the value is. That's where the eating is. I try to present it in sometimes ways that are fun, sometimes ways that I'm being snarky. I mean, you just got to get used to me. Acquired taste. Like Charlie says, we mean it. But we love each and every one of you that join us every day. We do this for you. If we are providing anything of service to you that you find valuable. I don't want coffee anymore because I don't drink coffee anyhow unless the world's coming to an end. I want you to buy me six donuts a month. That's actually going to cost you about $250 more. Go to the donut button. Donate in this case and buy me some donuts every month. Might actually go buy some donuts one morning and then you get to see me ping off the walls. Of course, if you're really good at them, you can make some unleavened donuts and send the cookies. I like the ones with frosting on them. 
Y'all stay safe and take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.